Welcome to the Matt Hummer Podcast, episode 17. I'm Mo, I'm here with Luke and Elle. How are you doing, guys? I'm back. Yay! <laughs> oh, that's oh, nice, actually. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. Boo. Had a little break on the lovely sunny beaches of Spain last week. Had a lovely time. Uh, podcast was wonderful last week. You did it admirably. I thought oh, Why, thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much for helping the thought. Uh, the thought? The fuck's that? The thought. Helping the thought. Oh, haven't lost it, guys. Um, <laughs> We are very, very excited this week because we have just announced that none other than the man himself, the Prince of Fucking Darkness, Mr. Ozzy Osbourne, will be coming to the Mount Hammer Golden God Awards on Monday, June 11th to pick up the Golden God Award itself. How about that? That's that is pretty crazy. Ozzy's coming mental. to the Golden Gods. That's mental. First time What's ever. Happen? Who knows? Who Anything knows? Anything could happen. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, also announced Baroness are playing this week as well. Yeah. They're joining the previously announced Meshuggah and Carpenter Brute and Merc here. It's an absolutely stacked lineup, and now we do have, I think it's probably safe to say, the single biggest name in the history of heavy metal itself joining us on the night as well. Literally it's hard to the think biggest. Of bigger, yeah. It's going to be ridiculous. So if you want to come and hang out with Ozzy, not really, he's going to be on stage, but it's going to be amazing. It's, it's, anyway. it's unlikely he'll be hanging he'll out. He'll be in the same room. We won't even get to hang out with him, so you know. But yeah, if you want to see Ozzy in the flesh alongside with all those very special bands uh, mentioned, along with. The headlo- we haven't even announced the actual headliners of the show yet. That's how stacked this show is. Yeah, I know. It gets announced on Friday. Yeah, so tomorrow, uh, once this podcast goes out, Friday, June 1st, we'll be announcing the headliner of the show. And if you want to see them, and they're very, very good, believe us, along with all those other bands and Ozzy Osbourne himself, get on to mountainhammer.com right now to find out how you can get tickets to join us at the Golden Gods. It's going to be the biggest party of the summer. It's going to be freaking amazing. God, it's it the summer. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's the summer. Doesn't seem like it right now, does it? Because it's been pissing it down again. But it is the summer and it's going to rule. So come join us. Also, as the guys announced last week, we have the current issue of Metal Hammer on sale right now. It's an Avenged Sevenfold spectacular featuring a ton of free stuff, including the first ever tribute to Avenged Sevenfold cover CD, the likes of uh, Fuzzy Shapes, Betraying the Martyrs, Upon a Burning Body. Uh, God, there's loads on there. Some of the very, very best bands in modern metal today covering some Avenged classics. You can only get it with this issue. It's in shops right now. So get out there and get on it. What have you guys been up to? Well, I was sunning myself. Yeah, sunning yourself. I was, I was standing. <laughs> lazy. In, I was standing in a dark room in North London. Oh, well, I love yeah, it. <laughs> as I usually it's do. It's a bit of a pastime for you now, isn't it? Yeah. To be <laughs> Tends to be. I was at the Black Heart watching two of the best new bands of the year. I guess not like... Fair to say. Fair to say. I'd say Svalbard were headlining, although they're not necessarily a new band, on their, it's their out of technical, technically their album release show, I guess. That it was released the day after. The It's Hard to Have Hope album, which is probably the most blunt metal album of the year, if nothing else. Fair, yeah, it's, fair. it's just like, here's what's wrong with the world. Fuck you in your stupid face. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it was great. I, they, but, I'll go into them in a minute, but before them was Moll, Mill. Uh, who we have spoken about, I think, before. Like the Danish shoegaze black metal mm-hmm. type band. And it was fucking ridiculous. Another excellent young like, band. Like, with another it was, great dunk. It was the first ever UK show. And it was, oh, really? Yeah, and it was ridiculous how good they were. Like, wow. you're watching them, it's just like, how are you that good already? And like, I was say, the debut album came out this year, and it, everyone there was, not everyone, but you know, a large part of that room knew all the worst of everything they were doing. And it was, you know, fucking crazy in there. And then it got really sweaty and Svalbard came on and yeah, just did like, it's fair, not as long as I wanted them to do. Oh, really? About, yeah, about 40 minutes of just like... They probably haven't got a ton of yeah, material to play. Not really, like, say, say two albums, yeah, but 
it was still like 40 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes of just like, uh, like blistering black and hardcore with, you know, post outfits and whatever thrown <laughs> Performed by Animal from the Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was, and it was, yeah, genuinely fucking brilliant. And awesome. You should check both of those bands out. And then I went to go stand in the sun. <laughs> on the other side of the, of the on coin. On the other side, I went to go stand in the sunshine in a field. Uh, I went to Slam Dunk Festival awesome. on Sunday, uh, which I'm a big fan of. And it was first time they've moved it to a field. Is that right? Or in, uh, in Hatfield? Yeah, yeah, this one. Yeah, Hatfield. Instead of being at the uni, it's now across the road from the station, which is good. And in a field or in like a nice little park Wonderful. area. Yeah, it's good. And it felt like a proper little festival. There's like two outdoor stages, a load of marquee tents. Uh, you know, it's just really, really nice. Saw some great bands. Did I see? Creeper were good, not great. Uh, admittedly because the sound was really not on their side oh, and yeah okay. it was a real real shame Got a what was the buzz like around Creeper because at the top of last year they were it felt like they were going to be the band everyone was talking about and the album was really good and everyone was very excited and then it kind of felt like even though uh, obviously from a very different part of the scene or for the most part um, Code Orange kind of came along and just swept everybody away yeah, yeah, with yeah. being the hype band so was there still a lot of buzz around Creeper coming out? I mean, I know they're at the end of their album cycle now. But. Well, so no, no one was really talking about them in terms of like band of the day. But I mean, but in terms of like the crowd they gathered, it was still decent. It was just yeah. weird that I, that they were playing middle of the day, considering the amount of hype that was around them last year. You'd figure they'd be a bit further up. Sure. But but yeah, it's it was, they still saw people wearing you know callous heart back patches and stuff. They still had a strong awesome. band there. But awesome. yeah, it, I, I know what you mean. It did feel like they were about to go. You know, stratospheric, and then something seemed to have you know cut them off. But to to be fair, I didn't spend much at the main stage. I was in the designated heavy stage uh, for the day, really, in the Impericon stage, watching every time I die and come back, kid, and loathe, loathe the fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah, God and God nominated. Yeah, no less. So I'd never really given them time of day, to be honest. Uh, but I sort of saw a lot of people hyping them. I thought, oh, is it? Are they really that good? And it was, yeah, really, like, first band on, everyone was going mental for it. Like, big, you know, hardcore dancing pit and whatever. But there's got one album, have they? And everyone seemed... No, there's more than one. Oh, is there? I think they might have a couple of albums, but I think the new one was the first on Nuclear Blast. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah. Yeah. Ev- Ev- there's a seriously dedicated fan base there, and they were going hard for it. But obviously, right. every time I die with the greatest bands of the week, of the weekend, probably the yeah. weekend, I didn't go to the two days, but I'm sure they were. And because they're fucking brilliant, yeah. just so so good. Just don't do bad shows. No. Don't even do less than a brilliant show. No, they? exactly. And to be fair, like, I really, I Hatfield, the new Hatfield site's brilliant. I really, really like it. It's way better than the uni one, and it feels like a proper little festival. I was going to say it's interesting because in such a crowded market, it's it's fair fucks to them for making. I'm not saying it's a risky thing to do. Well, it is in this weather anyway, but um, in Britain, but it it's you know it, outdoor festivals. There's a lot of them. And for them to kind of take that leap into becoming part of that scene, where Slam Dunk always felt something a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. And so for them to pull it off is quite a cool achievement for them. That's it, because the Leeds one, I think, is outdoors now as well, or Bitsfit is outdoors now. I think they take over like the city centre. They do, yeah, yeah. And I think the Birmingham one's still pretty much indoors. But yeah, it just shows that that scene's still growing, I guess, that they've had to actually move to an entirely new site and restructure the way the festival works. Like, fair play. Wow, yeah. exciting times. And speaking of which, oh, segue. Uh, we're just a little bit excited about this because Iron Maiden are officially back on tour Woo! and they are packing. I, I, really, I really thought about saying this because I know it's easy to get lost in hyperbole with bands like Maiden. They are my favourite band, so I'm always going to be excited about them. But I genuinely think they might be packing 
the greatest set list they've ever put together. I'm not, we're not going to go into it specifically on this podcast now because a lot of people probably don't want to see it yet. They're going to try and wait until they see him and all the rest of it. But they are. it's one of the most varied set lists ever. They are picking songs that I never thought I would mm. get to see them play again. They're playing songs that I never thought I'd get to see them play at all. There's stuff from the 80s that they haven't played since then. Um, there's stuff from other eras of the bands that they've brought back. Uh, and and from I'm, <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil it too much for myself for reasons which I'll explain later on, but um, it seems like the show is is off the scale as well. The pictures I've seen going around the internet of the show, they seem because they mainly seem to tweet a different picture for every song they're playing. They did, yeah. On the show, they like the, kind of revealed the set list as it yeah, was happening, yeah. which is quite cool. And reveal the sort of the, how the stage changes for every song almost mm-hmm. it looks like, and yet it looks like there's serious money and serious imagination yeah. has been thrown into this. I can't it's wait. Crazy. I mean, they're the greatest band of all time, is it is, but. I think, you know, I think when, if, if you follow Maiden on any level, you kind of know they tend to do an album cycle where they play a lot of the new record, then they'll kind of do maybe a festival run after that where mm. they do a few new songs and switch up the set list a bit. And then they tend to come back with like a general greatest hit set or they'll do like an early era set, something like that. Um, and this one, it's, I think it's called The Legacy of the Beast Tour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of based around the game. Uh, and obviously you kind of look at that and you think, you know, it's kind of, feels maybe a bit cynical and they're just doing it to play the game and it'll just be kind of there's no such thing as a bad Iron Maiden set but it might just be what you'd expect the classics kind of rolled out again and all that but mm. it just it isn't that at all and it looks like they're doing stuff like you said on stage which they have never done before and my god my god I can't wait I'm very excited I'm hopefully going to the Birmingham one because London clashes with Bloodstock but I don't I know. want to miss this Judas Priest and my Maiden both play in England on the same day <laughs> It's a brutal, brutal choice to make. <laughs> oh, my word. But, yeah, lots going on. What else is going on, El, in the world of metal? Well, Jeremy Jordison and Wednesday 13 have met up for the first time in seven years, I think. Yep. So, maybe a Murder Dolls reunion is happening. Yes! Basically, more, more Luke's favourite band. <laughs> so, yeah. I fucking love Murder Dolls. You love Murder Dolls? I genuinely love Murder Dolls. Where do you sit on Murder Dolls? I think they're all right. I mean, I saw them, like... <laughs> a really long time ago I'm quite surprised you don't like them more I've got to say I like that I think I like the aesthetics and the idea of them more than I actually like them in reality because I like dark stuff and fun stuff so <laughs> <laughs> it's hell yeah <laughs> so I saw them at Dallas in 2003 which is basically 1000 years ago and it was <laughs> give or take it was a good time I remember them coming on and it was quite buzzy because they were still new and everyone was very excited. And it's really weird. I had a little look at the lineup. I was reminiscing. And there are so many bands from the day they played that aren't around anymore. There was Amen, Funeral for a Friend, Stamping Ground, Shadows wow. Fall. So it's, okay. it, it's like going back Shadows to Shadows Fall different... still going, aren't they? They kind of went on a hiatus. Okay. So they've not been active the past like five years, but they've not like technically broken up. But yeah, it seems like it's almost like they're from a different time. It's sort of a blast from the past type thing. So kind of I'm post kind of, new metal. Era, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, but new metal was still massive when they were a thing. But they were new metal, so but yeah, they kind of skirted around that ripped, tight, stripy socks vibe. So <laughs> I'm kind of curious to see what they'll do if they come back. Whether Luke looks like he's gagging it. to say what he thinks about no, it. Or they'll do something else. I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, they did they did come back in the mid noughties, didn't they? Or was it kind of like more like near two thousand? Yeah, they had another record after that download appearance. Because they went away for a bit and then yeah. they came back again. And when they came back, they looked a bit more grown up. Like, <laughs> excuse me, grown up. Uh, <laughs> still, still kind of horror schlocky, but more like Leatherface than Stripey yeah, socks. Two records, didn't they? Yeah, they had yeah, yeah. Women and Children last, I think, was the yeah. last yeah. one. They played down. Do you remember when they did that Ozfest at the O2? Uh, well, it might have been at Wembley. Uh, they did an Ozfest at an arena, and it was like Aussie Skindred. I think still Panther played. Fucking hell. Corn played, um, and yeah, Meredith played that, and it was pretty good. Yeah, I saw them. I only seen them once, and that was at Rock City in that must have been 2011. Whenever Women and Children Last came out, I think it was then supported by Black Veil Brides, which I think was the. Oh, I remember that tour. Yeah, I remember that tour. Defiled what on first? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, And it was literally like someone booked the bands based on appearance. It really was. It really was. Wow. None of them sound like each other. But I remember you seeing them like. When Black Veil Brides were on, all the Murder Doll fans just stood at the back judging. And then, <laughs> and then as soon as Black Veil Brides finished, it's like the crowds just swapped. Like all the Murder Doll fans went, the, went yeah. to the front, and all Black Veil Brides fans stood at the back. And yet, it, I'm, I, not, I'm not a massive brilliant. Black Veil Brides fan, but I don't think you can be too judgmental if you're repping for Murder Dolls and go, oh no, that's stupid. Yeah, and Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Murder Dolls aren't, yeah, yeah, they're not the most musically accomplished band. Like, it's just basically horror punk, whatever they call yeah. themselves. You know, and. But the songs are fun. And, and, and the first yeah, album yeah. still slams. You forget yeah. how many great songs are on that. I love every song on that record. And if they if they did a, if they did a festival set, if they just came out in forty five minutes, it'd be fucking brilliant. I, I think you got it right with the fun though, because Black Veil Brides, whether you're on the yes or the no side of them, they're not particularly fun. They're more serious, <laughs> aren't they? Like even if you thought they were funny, because you didn't take them seriously, mm. it's not like they're a fun band. Their songs are more kind of rocky. Yeah. And like about personal things yeah, this whereas was... Murder Dolls are like you said they're just more fun you can get a bit more involved mm. mm-hmm. I remember this was, I was seeing it's the only time I've really seen Black Love Rising it was when they were still doing the whole Motley Crue big hair thing I think yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah it was Andy Biss that was there with no top on sticking his hand down his pants and I was like oh <laughs> I, I'm at a Murder Dolls show I don't know <laughs> <laughs> in stripy tights I think <laughs> This is silly. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Do I love to say fuck that non-silly song? I love that song me. so much. Yeah, it's good. Wow. Well, what else is going on in the world of 2002? Well, <laughs> but sticking with a new metal vibe, Corn. Uh, it looks like are working on the next record, or yeah, at least I'm Monkey so and excited. Head. Are. Yeah. Yeah. El loved that last album. I loved it so much. It's it's it was so really good. good. I still listen to it now. I mean, I know it's only a couple of years ago, but. I still like to go back and listen to that record all the time. Like, I'm not one of those people when it comes to corn that the serenity like, oh, I of must suffering. go and listen to. You know, well, I love issues, but you know what I mean. I don't have to go back into their back catalogue all the time. Mm. No, no, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm stuff, like, so. I probably don't like it quite as much as you, but uh, I. To uh, me, I think Corn have become that band where they put a new album out every two years, and there seems to be two or three really strong songs on each one. The and last I'm, one, I'm fine every with that. song was good on the last record. Yeah. Every song. Some were better than others. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the Corey Every track song. was a bit of a... Mm. I enjoyed that. I know you didn't like it, but I like it. What was the lead single? Um, uh, bu- 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 uh, Suffering... No. Oh, God. I can only think of the, fir- the first song on the album, which is... Insane! No, it wasn't that one. But whatever it was, the main single, I forgot. Rotting forgot. in Vain. That was it, Rotting in Vain. Yeah. That's a wicked yeah, tune. Right? That, when they played that at uh, Wembley, that, that went off, and that was great to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. and Black is the Soul. Remember how good that is? That's a good song as well. It is. Well, yeah. I mean, 
always good to hear from Corn. Um, and as, as far as kind of their 21st century output goes, I'm quite a big uh, fan of that. When they've toured with Biscuit, which is that Wembley show yeah, that yeah. you were talking about, they did a ton of post 2000 stuff, and I was loving it. But I think because so many people came for Biscuit as well, it didn't really please the casual fans as much. But mm. I love Corn's modern stuff. I think they're great. Yeah, I think they're wicked. I mean, like you say, they're just a solid metal band now that you know have sort of grown away from their new metal roots to an extent and are just that solid like yep here's another new album it's great we'll yeah. do a tour and the last five years has been the best I've ever seen them and I've been seeing oh, yeah, them no. since oh, Untouchables well Jonathan's obviously just doing a solo record right now which is pretty different it's got all the world music yeah, influences course. on it so it's probably going to get that out of his system I'm, well. I was going to say I'm quite relieved because <laughs> you, know, you know I think the album's alright but I think more to the point that's a lot of stuff that I probably wouldn't want to hear on a core album yeah a I like album it in a Jonathan Davis record yeah. I think this is interesting and I've got time for this but on a corn record I want it to slam a bit harder Right, so we're going to go straight into some reader questions now uh, Ben Wilmot asks I saw you that's you L <laughs> gave the new Ghost album 9 out of 10 in the latest issue of Metal Hammer damn right it's a fucking modern classic in uh, mine and I think it's safe to say Elle's opinion what are you saying Luke uh, the new Ghost album yes great probably not quite as frothing as I've been recently no no I've listened to it a lot Elle but yeah was. I think uh, you two have been bouncing a lot higher than I have <laughs> definitely um, I've enjoyed my singing Luke I've thoroughly enjoyed your singing. There has been some serious sing-alongs in the Matt Hammer office, I can tell you that right now. Uh, yeah, so Ben says, saw you get the new album, uh, 9 out of 10. How high is it on your best albums of the year so far? And how big could Ghost get by the end of this album cycle? Architects, for instance, managed a well-sold Academy run, and with a new song, got to Ali Pali, could Ghost manage that too? Yes. I agree. <laughs> uh, I think so. I mean, Ghost were doing... I think Ghost headline, technically speaking, headline Brixton before Architects did, didn't they? Because they yeah, headlined that, Brixton on that Jaeger tour. Was that the Jaeger tour? Yeah, fuck. Which yeah. may have been like a £5 ticket yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's quite yeah. different, yeah. but um, yeah, they supported Alice in Chains at Ali Pali as well, didn't they, that time? They That's did. Big wow. Uh, so yeah, they've already kind of quite successfully filled some quite big venues, guys. And they headlined Bloodstock last year. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. The biggest thing they've done so far, they headlined the UK's biggest like proper heavy metal festival. Um so I think I think whereas architects have kind of been up and down and round and round and been through some horrible shit and had to bounce back and and eventually got kind of uh, back on the saddle career wise I think Ghost have just been on a constant incline I can't mm. see really where that's going to stop at this point especially with how good this new album is and when everyone hears it uh, tomorrow when it's out is it tomorrow yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's tomorrow. so exciting it's gonna it's gonna blow people away I think it does feel like because of how carefully crafted and orchestrated the whole ghost machine is and the story and everything else if Papa or whoever it is what decides they want to do Ali Pali or whatever <laughs> no one's gonna say no. <laughs> it's, no it's just like we're gonna do that okay of course you are I've, uh, I mean when, when the um, the last issue um the ghost issue when I talked to Tobias about it all um, he, he specifically said you know he's only gonna take ghost to a point where he feels like it's fully fulfilling his vision for everything you know he's not gonna put that he's got to, he's not gonna put this new show that they've been taking around America into like small dingy venues like he's only gonna put it in places where he feels it does justice so, where have they been playing in America is that arenas or? Uh, no kind of like large academy sizes okay so like you know thousands rather than you know, a couple of hundred or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, to go back to Ben's question, I fully 
fully believe that they have the capacity to finish this run on some, some massive shows. I don't see why they couldn't. There's, there's nothing that they've done so far that makes you think, oh, they're going to lose it now. They've been so strategic as well. Like, they didn't actually play any hometown shows. They didn't play the toilet circuit. They literally came straight to the UK and did, I think it was two or three shows here to go, look, we're ghosts, look at us, and everyone went mental. And then they just carried on playing from there. So mm-hmm. I think, like you said, Luke, if Papa or Cardinal Copier or Tobias makes a decision to do that... Not the same person. Not the same person. <laughs> then Actually, Papa, 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 they will do it. Papa, Papa, Papa. Tobias is ghost. That's, how it, that's <laughs> the line. That's the line. But yeah, I think ghosts have the power to be the big, one of the biggest bands in our world. In, in like 10 years' time, you'll look back and go, shit, remember when ghosts were that small band <laughs> doing... Yeah. yeah. Releasing pre- prequel or whatever you pronounce it. Yeah, in ten years' time, they could easily do you know, do the O2 or something. There's no, there's no. It's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because you just never know what's going to happen. Like no one, I know you guys last week said no one as brilliant as Avenged were when they came out and Waking the Fall is still my favourite thing they've ever done. For instance, no one would have pointed at them and instantly gone, "Yeah, they're going to do two nights at the O2." Or, yeah. Well, didn't exist then. You know what I mean? Then they're going to do forty thousand people in London over a yeah, weekend. Yeah. Uh, you just wouldn't ever have, have thought that. Um, but with Ghost it's just I think what makes them so exciting is that they're so unique you just you can see what little parts of them are taken from little bits from around rock and roll and, and pop music as well and everything else but you can't compare them to anything that's come before anything look at that Rats video and say oh yeah that's like how many metal bands have done anything like that it's r- ridiculous it's so well polished as well the new record yeah you know obviously that has to be to your taste but it's so well put together and well produced and well polished that to play it in small venues would seem weird. It is yeah. literally made for big venues. Yeah, and I, I know that he's got um, uh, Tobias has got like nine people on stage now doing stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Al, it's a very polished record. I'll be really interested to see what the initial reaction to it is when it drops because it is very polished. It's much, uh, you know, some of that kind of low end has kind of been taken out of what, they, what they're doing now so that might rub people a bit of a funny way to start with but I think the songs on it are just so relentlessly good you just can't fuck with them my first reaction was confusion yeah my too. first reaction was Definitely. what the fuck is this and then yeah they just lit, like you said the songs are so good they just burrow into your mind and it, that's it. we've had it for a couple of months now because um, you know we've done the, uh, the issue with them and everything else and it's now got to the point where, you know, now that I think about it, I don't think I've played it for a couple of weeks now. And I know that when I play it again, when you go back to it, once you've had a little bit of time away from it, it feels like a great hits album yeah, already. It does, yeah. Like, it's that level of ridiculousness. And yeah, I just think, I, I don't want to jinx it, but I can't see what they could do that would totally fuck their momentum at the moment. Mm. I do just hope, as you mentioned, I hope. you mentioned, yeah, yeah it's not as might be terrible as taste whatever, but I you could easily see them if they wanted to leaving the metal world behind and going for a Glastonbury Coachella crowd true and just being a completely different entity in like in like another album or two's time and what like refusing to play metal places yeah yeah they could, e- they could go, easily we be massive fans. yeah they could just be know. as big as they wanted to be and they're not going to be as big as Queen with, by being a metal band Mm. It's, that crossover is super hard though because you know all the fans yeah but those choruses are easy from... of like radio one friendly yeah absolutely there's but still it's just, a bit it's the, men- it's the mentality though of like metal still separate from 
mainstream mm. music and it's that mm. mentality of how do you introduce a whole new group of people to a band that still do have kind of satanic imagery and concepts as well yeah, yeah. let's not forget that it's not just kind of yeah and I, and I think rainbows they definitely have big hooks and they're definitely I know what you mean Luke like they, they have the capacity to for proper mainstream appeal but I think even like the you know the second single they released Dance Macabre that's one of the popular songs on the album that's still not the kind of thing I think you see anywhere in the mainstream at the moment. No. It's but that's 80s pure, Yeah, like well. 80s glam rock. But that could be like, why it's kind of ripe for the picking almost. It's like, for, this is something that doesn't exist anywhere. Why should it just be Metal's little thing? Yeah, true. Very true. Very true. Well, I... I, I I'm, I'm always like, I want Metal bands to be as big as they can possibly be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. see benefits from it. But um, I think it'll take a lot for a, for a ghost to, to not rely on metals no, kind no. of wider you know support I would love to get to a point where Cardinal Copia is being interviewed on BBC News <laughs> that is all, all I want that would be amazing yeah we'll never know we'll see we'll see right enough of ghosts um, what else is going on what are people asking of us today Zane Hall asks what three metal albums got you into the genre gone in am I answering he's asking you my yeah. three albums are <laughs> Hybrid Theory. Yes. Issues. And Chocolate Starfish. Cool. Do you want to talk about any of those? Metal. Shit, two of those. Well, one of those is definitely mine as well. Well, probably... I'll go with Issues to start with. I think it was like... One of my friends at school had an actual cassette tape. And we would listen... A what? An actual cassette <laughs> tape. And I kind of Ask like, your dad, kids. Yeah. <laughs> and we you don't listen anyway. <laughs> we would listen to that. And I was like, wow, what's this music? This is pretty cool. And it kind of around the same time just sort of seeing what was happening and uh, one of my friends as well was buying music magazines and I was reading those and Issues really pulled me in because it was so different and dark and then Hybrid Theory was just like the record it was just every single song I just loved and it was that perfect mix of pop and new metal that really hooked me in and I would literally just play it on repeat over and over and over and over and over again forever and then Chocolate Starfish I knew that record was coming and I was super excited about it. And I remember I was off sick from school and my dad bought it for me, which was very nice of him to make me feel better. And I remember listening to it and just being like, yes, this is a thing. And Why did he buy it for how you? I learned about metal. Because I really wanted it because I, okay. I knew the record was coming. And I was so off, you'd seen Rolling or something? Or? Yeah, I'd heard Rolling on the radio. I knew the record was out and I was off school, ill, and he bought it for me. He brought it home from work because um, he knew I'd be feeling pathetic and ill and I was so excited I instantly got better yeah <laughs> thanks well, Fred my uh, first proper metal album um, uh, was was Chocolate Starfish as well actually and this is why I have a special amount of credit to WWE or F as it was at the time because uh, I was a huge fan um, still am uh, and during the kind of end of the Attitude Era uh, The Undertaker who's most famous is kind of like a dead man super end of level boss goth uh, gimmick um, for a little while he had a biker gimmick called the American Badass and for that um, uh, one of the theme tunes he had at the time was Rolling by Little Biscuit and I heard that and I was like what the what the hell is that it just felt at the time like nothing else I'd ever really heard before I kind of was familiar with a lot of hip hop and stuff but hearing it on top of those like hearing rapping on top of those like Wes Borland riffs blew my little mind so I went out and got Chocolate Starfish and that's yeah that's what started it all for me too I still think it's the best metal party album ever written um, Hybrid Theory was in there for me as well but I think 
that kind of came a little bit after and I was already all over new metal at that point I think the next yeah it was a little bit after wasn't it I think they came out I think it might have been out first that so weirdly two of mine came in the same month because Hybrid Theory uh, Chocolate Starfish and my next one which is Hollywood by Marilyn Manson all came out in October 2000 what a month that was um, <laughs> so yeah I barely really just started to touch upon new metal and then I don't think I got Hollywood when it came out but um, it was a couple of months afterwards and I was in a CD warehouse anyone remember those? no no even Luke doesn't remember those we just I really uh, we had MVC well, if you know what, like, you know, there was it called computer exchange, exchange sort of CEX. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it's basically like that, but 15 years ago, whatever it was. God, I wish. Nearly 20, never mind. Um, yeah, so I was in one of those and I saw the cover for Hollywood and I was very much into my like, oh man, it's like religious but fucked up and like, oh cool, it's subversive and blah, blah. Which it, which it is. It is. Um, but especially to a, whatever I was, 14 year old. Uh, and yeah, took Hollywood home, put it on, and that was the album that took me from um, kind of just enjoying metal on a music level to like really appreciating music as art and the, like the, the depth of narrative and vision, the lyrics, the imagery inside the album sleeves. It was the first time I'd ever, ever um, dipped into metal like that or any kind of music. And it totally changed my perspective of what, on what music could be. still think it's the best Marilyn Manson album. It's a classic as well. Um, and yeah, my third one, I'd probably say uh, Reroot to Remain by Inflames because that's what pretty much got me into extreme music eventually. I know it's not yeah. the, it's kind of at the top end of it. Um, but yeah, Inflames are pretty much one of my all-time favourite metal bands as well. So that's a great album too. What's yours, Morton? Very similar to both of yours, really, I guess. Almost like we all came in through the same generation of bands or something. Almost. <laughs> say my, my, say my hybrid theory, obviously, is a bit was a big one. In I, I remember taping it. Oh, I heard a tape of it, shall I say, and uh, listened to it till it wore out and it didn't work anymore. And I thought, it was, yeah, I thought it was really good, but it was missing. But then as soon as I heard Chocolate Starfish, I pretty much stopped listening to Hybrid Theory anymore. <laughs> I really? I was just like, he's swearing, this is amazing. <laughs> he said, fuck. Yeah, I know. Because I, I, I get through, again, like you, Merlin, I got discovered Limp Bizkit through uh, WWF as it was at the time. But I remember hearing, obviously, Undertaker's theme, but it was. My way being WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 17 uh, theme, theme tune. That I'm th- going in, going into town to buy it on single, and they didn't have it. They had my generation instead, so I bought that. And then, like a week or two weeks later, Chocolate Starfish came out of the album, I think. And yeah, it was just like, I made sure I got the parental advisory version. Yeah, but all the swearing in there. Screw you, the man. Yeah, and I remember just hearing a Hot Dog for the first time and thinking, yeah. "This is hilarious and awesome." Yes. And yeah, I just, I just loved it. I thought I had, I bought myself a red cap, a red New York Yankees cap. <laughs> That's amazing. Taking I, a rap from those critics. I, I say I bought it. I got, I got, yeah, I got it for my birthday. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> You went full new metal. Oh, yeah, I did. I looked amazing for about a day. And, um, and yeah, like, those were obviously massive, but it was, it was still not self-titled that, you know, was the big one for me. I remember seeing the Wait and Bleed video on MTV2, I think it was, back then. And just what... And just, I, I was, was that the... Because there were two versions, weren't there? This was the live one. The live one, yeah. yeah that yeah. was the one I also saw as well. Because yeah. there was like a kind of claymation one as well. One yeah, which I only ever saw in like a sort of bootleg VHS yeah. thing but um, I remember my friend had like a VHS like he basically he taped all the cool new metal videos off MTV2 and we just watched that on repeat pretty Amazing. much and whenever Way of Bleed came on I thought this is the fucking coolest thing and and yeah I 
just got a copy of the album I can't remember I think I bought it off him I think he was like oh I don't want it anymore it's not cool anymore and yeah but still I sat off him and thought this is the greatest thing I've ever heard and I never look back. And if on the off chance you've not listened to any of those albums we just mentioned, for fuck's sake, what are you doing? Get yeah, go back to the year 2001. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, very, 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 very good time indeed. Uh, David J. Brown asks, because I think he, I don't know whether he knows, whether we, or thinks we know this, the answer to this question, but will Metallica play Download next year? Don't know. <laughs> I think there's a st- well. I, you've got to think there's a strong chance. When was the last time? Though? Was the last time for a while? Black album. Yeah, they've not done it since the new album came out. The, the last time I played it was before self or hardwired uh, self destruct. Yeah, that was the by request set, right? Mm, no, Sonosphere. that was Sonosphere, oh. which was after the download was when they did the black album backwards. Okay, yeah. Which was that great set, but. Um, <laughs> Pointless bit of criticism for number. That was a great set. Um, yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I definitely Metallica haven't brought the stadium show to Europe because the show they, they brought a great show to Europe with all the screens and all the weird yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff they did. But the the show they had in the states on Hardwired with the big M and the A and all that mad shit on the screens and stuff, they haven't brought that over to Europe yet. So I would assume that's still coming at some point. Oh, I hope so. And it would be good if it was downloaded. Or if it was their own, they haven't done their own stadium show over here in must be a decade now. So yeah, yeah, they could, yeah, they could easily just do that whole you know a Metallica day in a, a stadium or a field somewhere. Definitely. Or you know, like I say, if they, if they turn up to download next year, I'll be there. Yep, down for Metallica always. Plus, Hardwire was a really, really good album. Hooray! Robert Robinson asks a trivium as strong or stronger now than with Ascendancy. It's a very good question. We gushed over the uh, over the album and the, the Hammer Tour, which they headlined. It was a real triumphant moment for them, I think, and for metal in general. Um, I don't know. Where do you think this place is in now compared to where they were in 2005? Well, I was obsessed with Ascendancy and Trivium when that came out. I really, really, really loved it. And then every record they did since, there are a couple of songs I like, but I never really liked the whole record. But this one, Sin in the Sentence, I love the whole record and it feels to me sort of like an ascendancy style one. I suppose it's all pretty kind of uh, easy, easily accessible, I guess, and it's quite uh, catchy. And I, I just think the Sin in the Sentence is great and I haven't felt that excited about Trivium since Ascendancy. So to me, I'm kind of, it's cool because now when I go and see them, they're playing those new songs and the songs I like from the records in between and stuff off Ascendancy. So to me, it's kind of a good thing to go and watch them now because I get all of that mm. but I never really felt like that other records lived up to my excitement which may have been me personally not them as a band yeah where do you think where do you think they are on kind of a wider level now because Ascendancy they were the most exciting band in metal in terms of like this is going to be the next big thing they've got to be stronger because they've been like all around the world and picked up loads of fans yeah. and it's a different kind of hype isn't it at first it was the hype of this is something new and they were really really pushed and we thought they were going to get like Metallica big and then they kind of didn't but I think some of the sentences did them in really good stead for kind of playing those good sized venues it's, it's weird because I remember when say, like, same as you I know like, Ascendancy was my favourite thing and probably says my favourite thing Trivium have ever done and it did feel like when that came out everyone was on board with Trivium like if you liked Mel then you liked Trivium that's pretty much the rule and then it dropped off uh, for after that for whatever reason but now it does feel like every, 
that it's okay to like Chivium again. That like that Chivium is suddenly a credible. Not that they were, they were never you know uncredible, um, but it seems like with the release of this album and the success of like every show they've done, like on the Hammer tour and everything else, everyone came away going. Chivium is sick now. Like, I mean, it's the first. It's it's the thing is, it's the first genuinely great album they've done in a while. Certainly yeah. since In Waves, and I, and I think it's better than In Waves. I think it's probably the best thing they've done since Shogun, personally. Um, so it's it's kind of like it's not like they've been consistently pumping out ascendancy after ascendancy. Like they've had a bumpy ride. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it felt. It feels like. I just think I just think there's a whole lot of love for that band, and I think they fucking earned it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they never really, stopped. They're yeah. really yeah. good showmen as well. When they played Brixton on the Hammer Tour, it was a really good show. And even if you don't really like Trivium, you couldn't watch that show and not think it was good. So all those intervening years, they've used to build their craft essentially mm. and get better and better and better. So even if the songs maybe weren't didn't go down as well as the original hype and ascendancy they've really honed everything so mm. now they just come across as really strong whereas I think when they started and I saw some of those early shows it felt like they were really being pushed but they didn't maybe have the confidence to match up to it they would get cranked up like louder than the headliners and stuff when I would go and see them and it felt like it was almost trying to compensate for a lack of kind of natural presence I think one of the shows was with Slipknot um, and it was so loud and it just came across as a bit insecure almost I don't, don't know who was responsible for that but now they just come across it with this easy confidence and they can just mm-hmm. do a show and do it so well I think it's, it's really cool of them how they've gone about doing it as well because they obviously they had Ascendancy then they had um, uh, the Crusades which was kind of a big blip because it was them trying to write a reader up for the sake of it it didn't really work mm. came back with Shogun which is a another classic album in my opinion and then In Waves which is great they had all their momentum back and then they do what I think Trivium always do and I think they're the, I can't think of another band who have more, been more guilty of this they overthink stuff so after In Waves got them kind of back in the saddle properly they suddenly went off and did an album with David Draymond and it was like yeah. to the extent where there's actually a couple of songs on there where Matt's kind of singing a little bit like this and they're just like okay so what this is a re- to me it felt like a really cynical attempt to kind of go America big because mm. they've never quite been as big as America as they have over here um, which is stupid America sort it out uh, but it felt like they kind of went with a, a, a big face in America who could, they felt could kind of put them on a platform then they went a whole different way and did like a power metal album like a kind yeah, of, yeah. not power metal but like a proper trad metal album which some people liked I think quite a few people didn't like um, and it felt like they were kind of doing this thing of like we're a metal band we're going back to our roots um, Sin in the Sentence to me really felt like Trivium just being Trivium and writing a fucking good Trivium album and it is a great album like every time I listen to it I think this is almost uh, my favourite thing they've ever done and I really hope that whatever they do next it's just harnessing that momentum and just doing what feels right for them not kind of doing right how do we take the next step what's the next thing we yeah, should yeah, do yeah. to kind of capitalise or uh, you know make the most of it or take a cool left turn that's going to be experimental for the sake of it or whatever I hope they just just keep on doing what they do because what they're doing right now is fucking amazing and I said it when I reviewed the show the Brixton show a few weeks back but seeing them in Brixton was like seeing um, Machine Head on the Blackening it felt yeah. like a real moment for that band yeah. more of the same please yeah more bangers uh, Chloe Collins asks what's been Metal's most embarrassing moment Crazy Town oh, yeah, <laughs> does that even count do you think I quite like Butterfly? Oh, yeah, of but they, they sort of lingered around too long. 
<laughs> what, just three, crazy. three minutes and 30 seconds. No, yeah. after, crazy, after Crazy Town, they wouldn't go. Hold on, I don't think that counts as metal. No, no, no. I know, I know we kind of adopted it because they look like a new metal band, but I don't think you could say metal's responsible for that. That's unfair. Yeah, that doesn't make, it doesn't make us look good. Yeah. So, uh, so then, what was the most embarrassing moment? It's been some really embarrassing covers. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like... I wasn't a huge fan of Fred Dursting behind Blue Eyes. Uh, I didn't mind that at the time. I think if I heard it now, I'd probably weep. Behind Blue Eyes. Thanks, man. (laughs) You can't really have a conversation about embarrassing metal moments. And I hate to be that guy because I'm not normally one of those keyboards. I hate Metallica types. But without mentioning Metallica, the Mm. the Lou Reed album was pretty dire. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's you know it's been far enough now where you should be able to look at that and say well, you're kind of waiting for people to come out and go no it's aged well like people do with like Chinese democracy and yeah, yeah, all yeah. those kind of things but with uh, with um, Lulu it's just like nope still bad yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like how they stand oh, yeah. by it though they were like no we no fair fuck yeah. we did it and we stood by and we like it so absolutely fuck you it was well I guess the thing about that is that it wasn't actually Metallica that was the bad part of that if they'd taken Lou Reed off it and just used some of those riffs and stuff it would have been decent but they didn't yeah (laughs) that wasn't the point of it Merlin no he still shouted I am the table like it meant anything other than fair being awkward and weird fair point but they did just explained that lyric I can't remember what it was though because it was based on the whole well I hope there's some exclamation behind it otherwise (laughs) 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 it feels happy to melt the house (laughs) yeah but yeah, like, as kind of mentioned, they did. You know, Hardwire is the best thing they've done in twenty years, at least. So they kind of they had the they had the last laugh, the stadium feeling biggest band in the history of metal. Yeah, there's nothing. Like, you, there's been loads of embarrassing stuff. I just can't think of anything that's like really like, comes to mind. It's like, oh, can you believe that happened? Again, this is not Metallica's fault. So it's not on them, but the whole Grammys thing with Lady Gaga was a shit show, wasn't it? That was a shit show. And, and that was not, that couldn't have been less Metallica's fault. But in terms of metal as a world being mugged off on an international stage, yeah. that was pretty frustrating. Was that the same Grammys where they played Metallica over Megadeth? I think that might have been was. a different one, but yeah, but yeah, again, yeah. anytime metal was, is involved in the Grammys, it seems to go a bit south. Yeah, fucking hell. Boom. One day we've got the Golden Gods instead, though. Just as good. we do have the Golden Gods, what a wonderful way to end the podcast! <laughs> uh, yeah, as we said, Aussie's turning up. We got Baroness Carpenter, Brooke, Miss Sugar, and Merc here with a headliner announcement coming tomorrow, Friday, June first. It's big, and they're bringing a hell of a show with them. I can tell you that now. Uh, don't forget to pick up the new issue on next week's podcast. Oh, and also, if you do want to add a question uh, or uh, chat to us or whatever, www.facebook.com forward slash readers, of course. Love to hear from you. Uh, next week, we talked about the new Iron Maiden show, and I'm going to see it. Yeah, I'm going to Stockholm tomorrow. Uh, no, yeah, as this podcast goes out tomorrow, I'll be in Stockholm seeing the brand new Iron Maiden show. I'll have a special exclusive review of it. Next week on this very podcast, uh, Killswitch and Gay supporting as well. We didn't even mention that. Not a bad night out. Just a bit excited. And we will also be running through the download lineup. It's download next week. Shit. That's That's a thing, guys. That's quick. Holy shit. So we'll be uh, picking out some of the best bands to watch. You can guarantee we're definitely prepared for download. We are definitely prepared. We've definitely got all our stuff we need. (laughs) Oh, God. Please don't rain. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, I'll basically be spending half an hour talking about why Guns N' Roses are amazing and then and Luke will pick out other bands. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, join us then. Tune in for that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to rate and subscribe us on iTunes and Acast and we will see you next week. Look after yourselves. Stay metal. Bye. Bye.